This is Entrepreneurs Only. If you own a business, you are in the right place. This is where we study and solve all that bullshit that comes with being your own boss so that you can finally grow your business. Let's get to work. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Entrepreneurs Only. If you're here, it's because you own a business. And if you own a business, you're probably also here because you know we're in the middle of a series on connecting to your customer. I'm so excited to bring this week's guest in to chat about one of the most important topics in growing your business, which is content. I don't care what business you're in. If you're not producing consistent killer content, then you are not going to ever realize your potential. Never in the history of our world has the customer been so easily accessible. You can click a button and have the potential to reach your entire customer base for free. But there is lots of issues that come with that too, like what do I say? How often do I say it? Shouldn't I be paying for traffic or ads? And then we sit there in the indecision of all this and we do nothing or we focus in on the wrong things like you instead of your customer. Now, to fix that, I'm going to be joined by Jane Hamill today. Jane is the queen of content creation. She runs the content club and where she helps entrepreneurs throw away their frustration with content ads and growth and really shows them how to do this stuff with ease. And since we're all about simplicity over here at Entrepreneurs Only Club, I knew it was only fitting that she come in to chat with us. As a former clothing designer and boutique owner herself, she knows what she's talking about. So listen up. Please welcome Jane Hamill. Hello, Jane. How are you? Hello. I'm awesome. Hi, Dave. Hey, so tell us a little bit about yourself. I gave you an intro there, but I want people to hear from you. I like that intro. I sounded pretty fancy. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Jane Hamill. I am the founder of Fashion Brain Academy and Jane Hamill Consulting. And what I do is, honestly, I help creative brains understand how to start and grow their business and sell Because so many of us are so focused on creating lovely things and talking about lovely things and helping lovely people because we are lovely people and we forget that making the money is the important part. So I really believe in creating content and letting the content be the flower that attracts the bees. So when you have amazing content, you can get people into your community, into your world for a very low ad spend or zero ad spend, lead them into your life, your world, and then sell to them pretty much organically and make it not hard and make it super fun, actually. Super fun. That sounds amazing. Now in the mastermind, we're teaching um, as one of the experts in, in the May mastermind, We're teaching the 10 rules for kick-ass content creation, which you drafted, which I absolutely love. But I thought we'd pick, because we don't want to give it all away on here, I thought we'd pick my three favorite and talk about them a little bit. Is that okay with you? Yeah, I love it. That's a great idea. So the first one that I love, and I think it's kind of a, a mix of a couple, but I won't give too much away. The social media platform and the format doesn't matter, which blows people's mind because content (laughs) is content. People think they have to pick the right platform, which one is the best for me, and and how do I post, and what does it do, and talk to me about the fact that the platform and the format really, truly doesn't matter. This is something that people get stuck on, and they feel they have to do it a certain way because another person does it a certain way, and here's the thing. If I say you have to go Marie Kondo on it, right? It has to spark joy, so... (laughs) 
if you think Instagram is the way and you think you have to be making reels, but you hate Instagram and you hate making reels, the content's not going to come out that great. So what I've experienced in the past, I mean, I've started my business, I was 25 years old and I've now been coaching others for 12 years, right? What I found is if you like it, you will do it. So if you're a YouTube person, even though you think TikTok would be better or Instagram would be better or you, you know, whatever clubhouse would be better. It doesn't matter. You're going to have success with whatever format you choose and you stick with and you're good at the end. So there's so no rules to this, but the one rule I would say is it has to spark joy. It has to make you want to do it. If you hate it and you think you're doing it just because that's what other people do, it's going to show. It's not going to work. Yes. So the platform doesn't matter. Obviously, your ideal customer has to be using the platform. The end. Duh. Right. But for most of us, you know, if you sell, if you're an e-commerce brand, you're going to have better luck on Instagram than LinkedIn. If you're B2B, you're going to have better luck there on LinkedIn than Instagram. So for most of us, we're pretty aware of where people are. And if we hate every social media platform except Clubhouse and we think our people are there, you can build your whole social there on Clubhouse. Dominate one, get really, really good at it, and then diversify into your second social platform. So, so many people try to eat the whole frog of social media right away. And oh, every yeah, platform is different. The way the platforms work, the content that you have to create for them. You can't just create one piece of content and hope it goes out to every platform. You're going to have to... If you really want to become the king of a platform, you really have to focus on that platform's algorithm. Yeah. And I have people all the time say, can I just do this one and ignore, you know, like I get a lot, can I just do Instagram and not do Facebook? I'm like, yes, of course. And when you have a bigger team and it's a year or two years from now and you want to add in, you can do that then. By then you might not want Facebook anymore. I don't know. But there's, there's, there is a real misconception that you have to do a certain thing because that's the hot platform or that's what your competitors do. It, it just, it, the ROI of it, it doesn't, it, it's not there. It's not even no. like, this is my opinion. It's like, it actually doesn't work. <laughs> this is the TikTok problem because I have so many clients coming to me and they're like, Dave, do I need to be on TikTok? Everyone's talking about TikTok. I'm like, no, unless your customers are all there, unless you have a passion for it, unless the, the media of TikTok is so alluring to you that you just know that's where you need to show up. If it doesn't sound fun and it sounds like something you have to do, then you probably don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? It's all comparison of, oh, other people are on TikTok. And yes, there are people on TikTok making money and b- making big businesses out of it. And that's fine. That doesn't mean that's your business. I just love the idea, the simplicity of pick one platform. And I promise you, if you're listening to this, you know what platform it is. If you work with corporate or B2B, like Jane said, you know LinkedIn is where you should be. That's where you should be focusing. Your corporate people aren't searching Instagram for people to come in and help them in their business. And people on Instagram are searching through looking for, um, you know, cute dresses, cute shoes, new things, new food, um, new items like that, or coaching or whatever the case, they're not searching on LinkedIn for those products. So LinkedIn's not where you advertise or where you put your content, you put it into Instagram, for instance. So you already know which platform is probably your ideal to start. Just you now have permission from me, you have permission from Jane, pick one platform and just go to town on it. You don't have to do more than that. And you have permission from uh, Neil Patel and his, the <laughs> the guy that he does the uh, everyday marketing podcast. Yeah. So Neil Patel is a big, 
you know, SEO guy, but they did a, what's your biggest marketing regret podcast the other day. And I was like, Oh, I got to hear this. And I think Neil's was something to do with, with the way he blogged quantity over quality or something. But the other guy was like, I really wish I had been like some of these other people who did one platform really nailed it, build up a big audience, and then use that to leverage to the next platform um, instead of trying to do three, four different social media platforms when I first started. He said, I would have gotten a lot farther if I'd just chosen one and and leaned into it. And so I was that was interesting. That did support the, um, the argument that I'm making. So I, of course I like that. Um, number two, my second favorite one that you had is spend time on sure things, which is like a universal rule that I think everybody should follow, but talk to us about what you mean by sure things. Yes. Okay. So, um, one thing I forgot to mention about that last one that has to do with being a sure thing is, um, the format. So if you want to do a podcast, a video articles, picture diary, memes, gifts, like none of that matters either. In addition to choosing your platform, the sure thing for you is the format that you're good at, that sparks joy that you want to do. So if you're yes. good at video, just do videos. If you're good at podcasts, don't do videos, do podcasts. Like who I cares? Have clients who are like scared to death of video. Yeah. They just keep wanting to post lovely memes and lovely pictures. And I'm like, you know, if, if video is not your thing and you're not going to get over it, don't put yourself into it. Because the day they do a video, I watch it. I'm like, uh, take it down. <laughs> It's, you know, I know I told you to do video. Maybe it's just not your thing. Well, here's the thing we did. I did a um, seven day. This is my second seven day video challenge in the content club. And a lot of people didn't want to do video, you know, just like you, just like your people. And, um, but the peer pressure was great enough that they did it. And there's like three or four of them who were so resistant, who are now like, I love it. I actually love it. They got really good at it after, you know, a week or two and they, it, it's working for them. So that was kind of funny. Awesome. Um, okay. So back to, sorry, the sure thing. Yeah. What's so, the sure thing? What do you mean by that? So here's what I mean. There are certain marketing strategies that always work for everybody. Okay. Social media doesn't always work for everybody. Ads can work always for everybody, but the learning curve and all of it is so high. Right. So, so I wouldn't start with that, but the things that are a sure thing, ROI, the ROI of SEO, organic search, the ROI of email marketing has not changed in years and years and years. According to HubSpot, if for every $1 you spend on email marketing, you get $38 back. Hey, Dave, give me a dollar. Here you go. 38 bucks. How often would you like to make that trade? Right? Every damn day. Right? So I don't understand why. I spend all of my time answering questions about stupid Instagram reels. When the fact is, if you want to close a sale, you got to have them on your email list. Okay. The email subscribers are your most engaged audience. An email list of a thousand people will outperform a social media following of 10,000. And I'm not the only one who says this. I see my clients numbers. I know what's going on. It is true, but Email, there's, there isn't a niche except for maybe 13 year old girls who want to buy pink selfie sticks. There isn't really a niche that email doesn't work for. So a sure thing for marketing would be building up your email list with obviously targeted customers um, who, uh, you know, build them up based on 
reverse engineering what it is you plan to sell, right? An email list of like, here's a free iPad is not going to do me any good, right? But you're building your list up with some intention. And um, then search engine optimization. So SEO doesn't have to be complicated. SEO itself gives me a headache. But I have the Lazy Girl's Guide to SEO, which is simply what are the keywords? What are the people searching where I'd like to get found? And how do they talk? So I notice this is a problem with a lot of coaches. They have a certain vernacular um, that is extremely coachy. And the person who's new to life coaching or whatever it is, they don't know words like holding space. You know, they, they don't talk like that. So when it comes to keywords, it's really just what are your people say in your comments? What questions do they ask you? That's the title of your content. So how do I feel better when I'm so tired all the time? Like things like that, that's searchable, right? And so the key is, yes, social media is an amazing tool, okay? I use it, feel free to use it, but the key is how do I get them off social to the sure thing? The sure thing is going to be email marketing and the sure thing is going to be if somebody searches for something specific and I come up, the dynamic of that is so beautiful because they found you and they're excited that they found you rather than you, you know, feeling like you're begging for the sale. So when you have content, you just want to make sure that you have, let's say you have a blog or you have, you know, your blog can even just be like a compilation of what you do on social. It doesn't have to be bloggy blog, but it, you know, it's, it's searchable. Your content on Instagram is not searchable. So you can have a great following and you can have all the things, but if somebody types in, how do I feel better when I just got divorced? You ain't going to come up. You got to have that on your site. So very, very simple search and email. Those are sure things. They're not super sexy. Well, that's the thing. Imagine like, I, I, you know, I want people to think about this for a minute. If you took a portion, a small portion of the amount of time that you worry about social media, and you spent it on your email list, building the list, offering tons of value, getting people on there, nurturing them, all the things we know you have to do to build an email list, you would be far better off. Because at oh, the end yeah. of the day, you got to remember, a social platform could stop tomorrow. Instagram could be gone tomorrow. There could be something that comes out. It could be hacked. It could be down. The servers could go. You've just lost your entire access to your customer base. Someone has taken your voice. You can no longer speak. And that if you've built everything based on that, you're in trouble where email, you own the list, you own the contact rights, you have them sitting there and you can access them anytime you want. I think people spend, like you said, social media is sexy. So people spend their time on it and they think that's where, you know, you don't hear about, no one does um, (laughs) YouTube videos about email marketing stars. They do it about social media stars. (laughs) Right? You hear about the guy who bought the Lamborghini because he's got so many followers and that. You don't hear about the guy who's got the email list. He's making a ton of money. You know why? Because he's busy making money. He's not busy telling the whole world how he makes money by telling the whole world how he makes money. It's this endless scheme that just doesn't work. And so, you know, email list, just spend a little bit of time on it. It's way more of a sure thing. I've seen the same ROI um, with my customers at Jane has seen. Um, email, your email list is so so important. And if you don't spend the time 
creating it. Like I had, I'll give you an example of two customers. I had a client who had an email list of about um, 17,000 people. They built the list the wrong way. They built it by, you know, not reverse engineering what they eventually want to get to. They built it by doing the wrong things and getting people, bringing them into something that was really alluring and exciting at the time. And then they build this email list of people that aren't their true core people. Yeah. And then they start offering what now is their service. And they're like, I don't get it. My, my open rates are low. People aren't taking action. And I just constantly hear from these people. I have an email list of, you know, X thousand. I have an email list of 17,000 people. Why aren't I selling? I have an email list of 17,000 people. Why aren't people buying? And I'm like, you got to ignore that. It's like saying there are 300 million people in, in my country. Why aren't people buying? It doesn't matter how many people are on the list if they're not there for the right reasons. So I have watched, and then I've watched another client build an email list of 562 people. That's what she got to on her email list. She did half a million dollars in sales on that email list. <laughs> 562 people versus having 17,000 people and not being able to make a thousand bucks off that list. Someone else made 500 grand off a 500 person email list. If you build it the right way, if you focus your time and energy, it will be so valuable to you. And there is one little like simple thing, a very actionable tip that I could give for people. Most of your people are coaches or, you know, business owners, and many of them do have a lead magnet. They have like 10 tips or, you know, they have a downloadable PDF guide or a checklist, which is amazing and it's useful, but then they put it up and then that's it. So what I'm going to suggest is let's say you have 10 ways to feel better when you get divorced. I'm just going to keep going with that one. And um, so in your lead magnet, there's 10 tips. What I want you to do is once a week, I want you to put up on social, hey, download my 10 tips to blah, blah, blah. Okay. Put the, put a post once a week that says, do you have my free thing? It's really cool. Jane liked it. You should get it too. And then choose one of the tips once a week, one of the 10 and go make another post saying, hey, did you know that if you eat, you know, raw carrot juice every day, you'll feel better after your divorce? Oh my gosh, I know. Who knew that? That's part of my 10 tips. Do you have the guide? Click here. Just repeat the beep out of your lead magnet, but with a different hook each time. So once a week you say, go down, go download the whole darn thing. It's amazing. Once a week you do a post about a specific piece of the content that's in there with a PS, you should get all the tips here. Yeah. That's it. That's not so hard. Multiple pieces of content right there out of something you've already created, but I've watched the same thing happen. I watch people create these genius magnets. Now I want you to know just because you say you have a lead magnet doesn't mean you have a lead magnet. (laughs) Magnet has to be magnetic. It has to bring people in for the right reasons. You can have a lead generator and you can have a lead magnet. Lead magnets outperform because like Jane said, you've reverse engineered it to what you eventually want to sell them. If you want to sell them help on feeling better after divorce, get a lead magnet about feeling better after divorce. If you want to sell them eventually personal training services, then create a lead magnet around building the best body in the gym or something like that. You know, the five tips you can change right now about your workout to get abs by summer, something like that, that would make them interested so you build the right core audience. Now, I know you haven't heard um, our previous episode because we're recording this uh, ahead of time. Um, but on our previous episode, we introduced the, the whole connection to your customer. And we told people the three pillars of connecting to your customer is consistency, consistency, and consistency. So we said it's the same pillar, just repeated three times, which means it's very consistent, which is why it works. Um, but one of your... Uh, 
kick-ass rules or topics there is that consistency matters more than a burst of genius. Tell us yes. about that. I wish it didn't because I only have bursts of genius very rarely. And yeah. I only really want to shout my message from the rooftops when I have a burst of genius. But since that rarely happens, you got to be consistent. So wherever you are showing up, whatever platform you've chosen, whatever format you've chosen, I just encourage you to own them and consistent with them. So the more you do something, the better you're going to get at it and the easier it's going to be. If you're doing all the things, it's it's kind of like Dave has something in the mastermind there that you're you're here and you're doing six different arrows outside of your circle going in six different directions. You're not going to get far out of your circle. If you're consistent and you're consistent with your format and your platform and your messaging, blah, 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 um, you're going to get so much further. So Here's the thing. Customers will trust you more when you're consistent. We're all like kindergartners. We like to know, hey, what time is circle time? What time is lunch time? Where do I sit? We like, we, we, we don't, it's not conscious. We think we like to be all like free balling and whatever, but you, we feel more at ease. We feel that trust and no like and trust factor, the steadiness of when someone keeps showing up, you just start to think that person's the real deal even if it's unconscious, okay? And people want to buy from people they trust, the end. So I have been blogging for a gazillion years, okay? Since 2000, I don't know, a long time. And I will tell you that just so you guys get a feel for how this is going to work, if you really do decide to be consistent with your content, got to make sure that your content is searchable, which does mean a type of a blog, okay? Literally, if you are really good at, whatever, memes, and that's your thing, take those memes, type some words and put them up on the blog and be consistent that way. You don't have to write from scratch, okay? You don't have to create from scratch. What are you already doing that you could be consistent on on your website so it's searchable, okay? Consistency counts more than burst and genius. For every 10 podcasts I do, or 10 articles I do, one or two of them really get shared and get action. And so that's just the fact, you guys. My site, I get, I have a, I have a video, I'm embarrassed to say, I have a video that I did in 2011 that has over 100,000 views. I still get traffic from it. I still get sales from it. And I've done nothing, Dave. I haven't boosted it. I haven't put no money behind it. I haven't optimized it in any way. It's one freaking video that just caught on. And that's how content works. The reason people don't do it is because it's not sexy. It's a long-term play. It's sort of like an investor, like if you invest in a business, are you trying to get your money back right away? Like, am I trying to post on social and get a sale? Or am I trying to, you know, invest in a business and then make my money back in two or three years? So content is the thing that is honestly the easiest because once you do it, you don't have to keep working any harder. You can do, you can take time off. You can, I mean, I'm again, the crazy shizzle is that I have two websites going right now, Dave. I have my original website called Fashion Brain Academy. And then I have the Jane Hamill website. Don't ask me why it's ridiculous. I'm going to go back to the Fashion Brain Academy website and consolidate, but I've I've made this mistake that I, you know, say I shouldn't. I just hired an SEO guy to help with like some details and some stuff. Cause you know, he's an SEO expert. He says to me, oh, Jane, by the way, 
both sides, you can choose either site you want to continue with and really dive into to consolidate because they both have the same domain authority. They both have the same amount of traffic and they both have the same time on site. And I was like, wait a minute. I haven't posted on the old site in three years. That is the power of consistent content. Yeah. Because your content is great on there. Now, the funny thing is, when you talk about consistency, I want people to understand how important it is. You mentioned something about it's a long-term play. I want you to know that people at some point or some people at one point decided that they're going to make the long-term play of showing people that brown sugar water is refreshing. And they're going to do that for years and years and years and make billions of dollars. And when Coca-Cola decided that they're going to bet their entire future on this recipe of, of brown sugar water, dyed sugar water, and do a long-term play on it, people might have thought, well, that's not sexy. That's not cool. And this is how important consistency was. Because if you really think back and look at the history of it, Coca-Cola was one of the first brands to provide refrigeration services to the stores that sell their product, as in provide a display for their product. Previously, that never happened. When they, when they sold products in stores, there wasn't a display aspect that came, a marketing display or any type of rules about display that came from a company. Coca-Cola changed that when they said, we're going to give you a Coca-Cola fridge if you buy our product to sell in your local store. And the reason they did that was because Coca-Cola said, we are selling a refreshing beverage. And I don't know about you, but warm Coke is not refreshing. Okay, So Coca-Cola knew if they sold 20 cases to this local um, general store in this small town and that general store put the 20 cases out on the floor and tried to sell it warm, their customer would not have a refreshing experience. So Coca-Cola knew I have to provide a fridge for consistency of my message, my long-term play of refreshing Coca-Cola. And this is why whenever you go into your gas station, your local store, you will probably see a Coca-Cola branded fridge if they're really a primary supplier of it, because Coke will still provide that fridge to you because that is absolutely paramount that they control the experience of how refreshing. If you still don't think consistency matters, go watch um, the McDonald's documentary out there. It's a great movie stars. Michael Keaton tells you the story of McDonald's in a really great way. Um, there's lots of controversy about the way they tell the story, but um, what you can learn about the McDonald's, which is another massive brand, a massive company that had massive growth in, in the U S and around the world now is the thing that took them from a small one or two hamburger chain in California to the massive success they are today was consistency. They found a way to duplicate and replicate. If you watch the movie, you can see um, grinding it out. You can see how important consistency was from the matter of how many pickles were their place, where are the onions, where's the mustard, where's the ketchup, how much mustard, how much ketchup on every single burger. So if you had a hamburger in California and you had one in New York and now you have one in um, you know Europe within a short span of time, you will know the exact taste and flavor and experience of that burger is the same no matter where it is in the world and what time it is that you're having it. Consistency matters. Look at the biggest brands in the world and see exactly how consistent they are so you know that. The other thing you mentioned is, and you and I agree on this, ads are great. Ads can work. There's nothing wrong with running social media ads, but they are not the most efficient way of building the best audience. Why do you think, and the most efficient way, if you don't know by now, is 
good content, consistent, excellent content that will outperform ad spend every time. Why do people go to ads first? Why do they spend all their time, energy, and their money, even though ads aren't working? It's a short-term play. You, you, I think it's because you hear other people have success. They make headlines. It seems, I mean, wouldn't you rather post up some ads, put some money, go to the traffic store, buy more traffic, and like, wouldn't you rather do that than freaking produce consistent content for a year and a half? Like I would, if it worked, I'd be all in, all in and ads do work, but they work. It's, it's sort of like you already have to have like the fire, like the wood and the kindling and the match all ready to go. And then you light it with the ads. Yeah. If you don't have that base of stuff happening, the ads usually don't work. The other thing about ads is they're complicated, right? People think ads are like, oh, just run ads. But you, like, for whatever reason, the people who sell you, you should be doing ads, spend a lot of money on it, okay? Facebook ads managers target you all the time with the top three case studies they have, and they're amazing. And so you think, well, I can do it like that. We think like it happened for her. Why not me? But the learning curve for ads is so high. And most people give up way before they're going to work. Or they haven't even figured out that other stuff. They haven't even been consistent with their messaging or who they're, you know, the basic stuff. Who's my customer? Why do they care? Why why buy from me instead of somebody else? Yeah. So I don't know. I think I think the reason people go for ads is that there's been enough success stories that we think it's going to work for us. And if you're not all in, like I have a client when I met her, Dave, I am not joking. No disrespect. She did not how to make a Facebook post. She was very against Facebook. She hated social media. She just, I don't know what field she'd worked in, but she did not know how to turn her phone on. Okay. Two years in, she's getting a little bit steady sales. It's going okay. She then decides I'm going to spend $10 a day on ads for a year. She, she went all, she's like, this is how you got to do it with ads. She's like, okay, I am getting sales. I have a a base customers. I have a list of 500 people. Now I'm going to do ads. So 10 bucks a day for 12 months, she committed her business is insane, but she didn't just lead with ads because she didn't know what she was doing and it wouldn't have worked. And this is the thing. People think it's a shortcut. And so they jump into yes. it and they're like, well, this is a shortcut. And the more money I throw at it, the better it's going to work, right? It's not how it works. The content has to be great. And if you're not great at creating content yet, you shouldn't be writing ads. So yeah. people run ads because they think, oh, now I don't have to produce all kinds of content, do a blog and do all this email stuff. I'll just run ads. That will bring me people. Ads are just like turbo. Be- like think about this. If your plane has a prop engine, it will fly a little bit. If your plane has a jet engine, it will fly a lot faster. Ads are a jet engine. But if you don't, if you haven't figured out the mechanics of flight, there is no way you should put a jet engine on your plane. It just means you're going to crash and die faster than you will if you have a turboprop. So ads work. Absolutely. And I've, you know, I've had experience in ads. I've run ads for customers. We're starting to go into ads ourselves right now. Never. I built, you know, the million dollar business with zero ad spend just on content creation but I can tell you, I've learned so much from content creation that now it's like, okay, maybe it's worth putting some money into it because you've learned a lot about it. So you have to be at the right point to do that. 
Otherwise, it just will never make sense. What I love about, um, you know, bringing you on at this point in the conversation. So you're not only a guest expert, which I'm so excited that you're finally in in May to be one of our guest experts, um, but you're also in the mastermind since the beginning, which is so uh, great. We love pulling experts out of even our mastermind group. Um, What's your favorite part of the mastermind for anyone listening now? I think my favorite part I don't know. I I like a lot of pieces of it. There's two things that I that that I think sets you apart. So when Dave gives us kind of like the lesson at the beginning, he says it's a four part lesson. Don't try to do everything today. And for someone like me, that's super useful because if I miss the lesson in the beginning and I didn't fill out the workbook, I'm like, oh, well, I'll just come back next month. He knows this about us, I think. And so what you do, Dave, what he does that is really helpful is like, okay, this is the lesson this week. Do this. I'll see you next week. So you never feel overwhelmed, which is amazing. The other part I like is um, business is so like, I, I call it the entrepreneurial crazy brain. And, you know, when you're first starting out, you can pretty much run on adrenaline and excitement, but that goes away like after the first year. And then you have to deal with your crazy brain and the like reasons that you have that I'm not going to do this or this won't work or like all the things. And you have access to not only Dave, because he's a life and a business coach, but um, the other coach experts. So you can get coaching on the blocks that are keeping you from doing your work that may not be directly business related, but of course your brain is always the issue when you ain't getting your work done. Right. (laughs) And I find that to be really special part of the mastermind because you don't get that in in other business masterminds. Awesome. I appreciate that. And the feedback is always good, but we do try to simplify everything so that this is successful for you. I've been part of so many masterminds and my clients have been in so many masterminds. Overwhelm is such an easy thing to get when people keep throwing more and more value at you, more and more things that that you can take from it. You can feel overwhelmed. We want to give you value, but we never want to overwhelm. We want to keep things simple. So um, remember, if you're interested in the mastermind and learning more about guest experts like uh, Jane, at the end of this episode, you'll learn all about how to join. So there's no problem there. Um, So if people want to um, stop worrying so much about content, because worrying about content is what's holding them back. What is one tip you can give them now to get over the fear, over the worry, over the overthinking of content and just yeah. producing content. Yeah. So there's two things I would do. Number one, almost everybody listening, you have taught something or you have coached someone and you have content. Okay. So the first thing I would do is where is your, where are you comfortable? Right. Like sometimes we step out of our lane and we start talking about things we don't know as much about. Where are you super comfortable? And what is a, the, the most recent webinar or presentation you've given or a discussion with the client? The most thing that, so Gary V calls it document, don't create. Meaning what have you done that you can simply write about or talk about? What happened this week? Hey, I just got off a call with a woman who was worried about, here I have a banana in my hand. She was worried about bananas turning green. And here's what we discussed. And here's the here's what she was worried about. And here's my advice. So start with what happened today. What happened yesterday? Yes. Obviously, you're not going to reveal the client's name or specific information. But all of this is content. What did you do? What did you teach? If you did a webinar ever in your life, there's probably 12 things in there you could teach for the next 12 weeks. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. The second thing is um, to commit to something for 30, sorry, 90 days. 
So I had this issue. Oh my gosh, Dave, years ago, I was all over the place. I was like, I don't know if I should work with fashion designers or this or that, you know, I've struggled with these things. And, and, um, the advice that I got was, look, I'm tired of you being uncertain. Like you're ridiculous. Choose something and stick with it for 90 days. So if you say, okay, I'm simply going to give them a quick tip every Tuesday at 5 p.m. And then that's the base of my blog content. And I'm going to do this format and I'm going to do this kind of email and this kind of social. Commit to a simple, the simplest, dumbest, sparking a teeny bit of joy or at least not terror, terror, being terrified of it for 90 days and see what happens. Don't do it for 10 days. Don't do it for seven, 90 days. If you do that, by the time you've done it for 90 days, you will look back and say, did this work? Did this not? And 90 days is enough time to know if you need to tweak it or not. But don't pivot in between. Don't be like, well, I started doing videos for the first 15, but now I'm just going to do No, 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 no. <laughs> so what is what can you talk about that just happened that you know about? And will you commit to one format, one schedule for the next 90 days? That's it. Boom. You you can totally do that. And it's so much fun when you do. I think if you walk away from this episode with one thing, I think I always look for the golden nugget, especially when I have content or a conversation with uh, experts in here. Um, it is simply this document. Don't create. I absolutely love that because I talk about it and I've never talked about it so eloquently with my clients. So I'm going to steal that for sure. But I want you to let you know, it's so important to be out there knowing so many people come to me and like, but Dave, I just don't know. Like, I don't have content. I don't know what I'm going to create. And the thought of creating content is so overwhelming to people. What if you just had to document content? Like imagine this, instead of, instead of writing a book, what if you just got to sit in front of a TV and watch a movie and you had to write the book that goes with the movie? Like, wouldn't that be so much easier? So imagine you're just documenting what you're doing, documenting your business, documenting the genius that is behind everything that you do. You just get to document it. It's so much less work. It's so much less weight carried than thinking you have to create content all the time. So if you're taking one thing away, that's what it would be. Jane, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. This is one of our longer episodes, but I promise you, if you made it to this point, it's worth it because you got to the gold. Um, and I think it's something people, every single person especially on this podcast needs to hear about because I hear about content so much from my clients. And that's why we're doing the expert uh, in May on connecting with your customer. And we're talking content, we're talking branding, we're talking social media, we're talking all of it because it's all connected. So thank you again, Jane, for coming on. And I'm so excited to see you in May in the mastermind. My pleasure. Thank you. Guess what? Entrepreneurs only mastermind is open. This is an amazing ongoing group where you work live with me every week to become the entrepreneur you need to be to find the success you desire most. We grow you, we grow your business, and we find your six-figure growth together. No more doing this alone. Check out www.davemoreno.ca slash mastermind, and we'll see you inside.